We have 26 grocery programs now across Boulder, and every single one of them is different. Um, and it's it's really cool to see because um, the space is different. Uh, different coordinators like to do things different ways, but they just know like some have calling trees where they just call their neighbors, and then they call more neighbors, and they call more neighbors, <laughs> and some um, just set up signs everywhere, and people know when to come down. Some people are waiting. Some people are in their homes. We have like community spaces, kitchens, laundry rooms, like all sorts of different places where food gets distributed um, because. Yeah, it's just gonna look different um, depending on what people's needs are, and so it's uh, it's fun to uh, watch that happen and, and really see um, how different communities thrive. This is the Modern Domestique podcast, where each episode focuses on a different aspect of modern home economics. It's all about exploring a way of life that enhances our community and environment from where it all begins in the home. My main hope is that this podcast encourages a new look at what modern home economics can be, and that these interviews empower you to make modern home economics your own in your home and community. I'm Stacy Keating, and this episode is an interview with the executive director of Boulder Food Rescue, Hayden Dansky. Boulder Food Rescue is a nonprofit that redistributes healthy food to low-income communities. They do this by picking up fruits and vegetables that otherwise would be thrown away and deliver those items to places like food pantries and shelters or directly to local low-income communities. And they do all of this by bicycle. I actually first heard of Boulder Food Rescue back when I interviewed Ethan from Falling Fruit for season two of the podcast. Since then, I've seen their bikes all over town, snow or shine. (laughs) I really admire their mission, and I love the community aspect of their no-cost grocery program. I really could go on and on and on in this introduction about the amazing things that Boulder Food Rescue is up to, but I really want you to hear it in Hayden's words, so I won't spoil the interview by talking too much right now. This is one of those interviews that left me feeling so inspired. After we finished recording, I just wanted to go back and listen to the interview again, and I hope that it leaves you feeling the same way. Uh, So would you introduce yourself? My name is Hayden Dansky. I'm the executive director of Boulder Food Rescue. And what exactly is Boulder Food Rescue? So Boulder Food Rescue is a nonprofit um, located in Boulder, Colorado, that works to create a more just and less wasteful food system, um, which is a lot. So um, on the surface, what we do is distribute healthy food um, that would have otherwise been wasted to low-income communities across Boulder, and we do as much as possible by bicycle. Um, And we also use food as a tool to organize amongst communities and build relationships with people so that we can um, allow people to have a hand and a voice in their own food access. That's really cool. So where does the food that would have been wasted come from? So we get food from grocery stores primarily who donate it instead. Um, And this is when we talk about food that would otherwise be wasted, it's important to clarify that uh, the food is really healthy, whole, um, and quality food that is getting wasted for all sorts of absurd reasons. So at a grocery store, um, they have all of these kind of standards that they have to abide by. So if something, you know, you as a consumer, if you're going to go purchase an item, you know, you're going to get the most quality, perfect looking, um, 
you know, piece that you want. So if you're looking through apples, you don't get the one with the bruise on it. So anything that's like slightly damaged or mm-hmm. blemished in some way might go bad. Um, but other times like grocery stores might throw away food because they just got a new shipment in and they don't have enough space on their shelves to, and space in the back to hold it. So they might toss everything on their shelves just cause it's a little bit older and put the new shipment in cause they have like very little storage space in the mm-hmm. back. Um, or things might get tossed because one thing went bad, but all the rest is still good. So if you have like a bag of clementines, mm. one, one is moldy, but all the rest are still good, but they'll throw the whole bag out because it's more efficient that way. So food is getting wasted for all sorts of kind of absurd reasons. And, um, we're trying to capture that food. And so we take that food, um, and it's all uncut produce. And then we sort through that food, um, before we distribute it. Cool. Yeah. I saw on your website that, and this was a little statistic from May 2017, um, that 450,000 train cars, box cars worth of food every year get thrown away in the U.S. itself. And as of May 2017, um, Boulder Food Rescue had rescued 13 boxcars, which I imagine is way bigger now, but that's a huge amount of food for, I mean, Boulder only has 300,000 people that live here. Um, and that's that's a really big amount of food that you're redistrib- redistributing that's not ending up in compost piles or landfills, which is crazy. Yeah, it's great. I mean, I think we've had huge impacts since we've started. Um, and it started as a really small grassroots volunteer run organization. And we've been able to like make more relationships and pick up more and more food. Uh, we're distributing um, about 1,600 pounds of food every day wow. um, f- with the work of about uh, 150 active volunteers. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's growing, and we're still only picking up a very small percentage right. of what's being wasted, which is the which is the crazy thing about food waste. It's like hard yeah. to even wrap our minds around it, but um, it's starting to become more of an issue. That's kind of like uh, in the awareness of of people right now because uh, it's contributing to greenhouse gas emissions and climate change, mm-hmm. and it's uh it's picking up momentum. Um, they, I I learned that if if food waste was it's its own country, it would be the third largest uh, contributor to greenhouse gases wow. following the U.S. and China. So wow. um, it's crazy. a big deal. Yeah, that's yeah. huge. Yeah. <laughs> so what, um, when you talk about people that need access to this food or that are getting access to this food, what kind of places or people or things like that are benefiting from your service? So we distribute food to, uh, I guess, two kind of categories of uh, recipients. So uh, one is food pantries, uh, Shelters, meal programs, nonprofits that are serving food to low-income people, um, and so they those nonprofits can take the food that we deliver and kind of incorporate it into what they're already doing. And what that does is increases their access to healthier food to distribute. Mm-hmm. Um, the other kind of category, I guess, of uh, places we distribute food to um, is what we call a no-cost grocery program. And so the reason we started setting up no-cost grocery programs is, um, in order to decrease barriers to people accessing food. So what it is, is when we go directly to like a low-income housing site, um, or preschool or daycare, um, and it's a place where people are already gathered. So instead of them, going out to a food pantry um, that has maybe limited hours of operation, they had to find transportation, um, there's shame and stigma associated with it. Um, if there's a place where it's like a community room of mm-hmm. the housing site that someone already lives, they don't have to go very far. Or if they're going to go pick up their kid at a daycare, they can also grab food. So the idea is to kind of um, create a program at a place where somebody is already um, 
there. Actively being there. <laughs> Actively being there. They live there. Um, and we drop food there, and that provides um, a, a supplement to what they're already doing. But what is also kind of a key component of it is that no-cost grocery programs are run by the communities themselves. So residents at these sites, they are the ones who are volunteering with Boulder Food Rescue to receive the food, uh, to call neighbors, to sort it, to distribute it, to clean up them. They're like what, uh, the people we call no-cost uh, no grocery program coordinators and um, are active members in their community and active members with Boulder Food Rescue. And so um, that gives communities power and, re and power really over their own resources and, and a say in how things get run. And we believe that communities um, not only hold the assets uh, that they need to be able to participate in these systems, but also they understand what's best for their community. So um, for us, we just support them when they ask and they get pretty much a say in how everything happens. Yeah, I thought that was really cool when I was reading about that on your website, how the they decide how it would best function for them. You know, like group A is not going to function the same way as group B, so they can choose what works best for their community, like in their space, which is so great. Yeah, absolutely. And and we have 26 grocery programs now across Boulder, and every single one of them is different. Um, and it's it's really cool to see because um, the space is different, uh, different coordinators like to do things different ways, but they just know, like some have calling trees where they just call their neighbors, and then they call more neighbors, and they call more neighbors, <laughs> and some um, just set up signs everywhere, and people know when to come down. Some people are waiting, some people are in their homes. We have like community spaces, kitchens, laundry rooms, like all sorts of different places where mm -hmm. food gets distributed um, because, yeah, it's just going to look different um, depending on what people's needs are. And so it's uh, it's fun to uh, watch that happen and, and really see um, how different communities thrive. Yeah, yeah, I think that's really cool and, and kind of a goal of, you know, my thing too with the Modern Domestique is like give people the information of how to do modern home economics and have them take it and make it work for them. You exactly. know, like you don't have to learn how to do all these different things. Like if the only thing you want to learn is how to make one meal, then cool, you know, or like, totally. you know, whatever, make it your own, which is totally. so cool. Um, so why do you focus on transporting the food by bike? So we decided early on when we started Boulder Food Rescue that um, we would be decentralized. And what that means is we go directly from a grocery store to um, a designated recipient, whether that's a nonprofit or a grocery program. Um, and the idea behind that is because we're trying to pick up healthier foods, um, uncut fruits and vegetables, and those foods aren't going to like last a very long time. So we studied traditional food banking models and um, talked to all the local people who are in food access here and learned that if you know somebody picks up produce, takes it back to a warehouse, sorts it, redistributes it back out, and then that gets redistributed back out, like days can pass. Mm -hmm. And some of the stuff that's more perishable isn't going to last that long. So when we pick up from a grocery store and take it directly to a recipient, um, we can have it in the hands of people within 30 minutes, within an hour, and so people can use that food right away. And so since we're decentralized, that means we have a big schedule and it's a big logistical <laughs> um, game of like figuring out what grocery store pickup should go to what recipients. Um, but what that means is that we'll pick up food and recipients will be a block away from the grocery store. So we yeah. figured, okay, we're, we're minimizing all of this like environmental impact by, by taking this food that would have been wasted. Um, it would be kind of silly to drive cars, uh, was our thought. <laughs> and just um, contribute to that in that think, way. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And people are like, oh, that's kind of silly that y'all use bikes. But um, we 
didn't even consider that that would uh, <laughs> um, not be an option for us because we were just going so close to where yeah. to where it needed to go. And then the unintended benefit of being a bicycle-based uh, redistribution organization is that um, we do have a hundred volunteers yep. biking food around because it's fun. Um, it's like fit, like you can physically feel uh, the release when you hand off food to people <laughs> and you're biking back with an empty trailer. Um, it enables people to utilize our bikes and trailers when not need their own cars. Um, mm-hmm. And I think we've engaged a community of bike advocates um, and encouraged biking, bicycling as a f- adequate form of transportation around the city. Um, so there's like all these other unintended benefits, I guess, that come along the way. Yeah, for sure. Every time yeah. I see a Boulder Food Rescue person on a bike with a trailer especially in the snow I'm like I like want to toot at them and be like yeah. you go <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. it's uh yeah it's really cool me too and I don't know everybody that's out there anymore you know and so it's always really fun to see people and be like hey what's up Boulder Food Rescue yeah. um, but our volunteers are also amazing I mean we always encourage people to be as safe as possible but there are also volunteers who are just like I don't mind snow. Like, let's go. Um, <laughs> well, I think in Boulder, they actually plow the, the bike lanes before they do the like, they actually, car roads. So. They actually do. I've, I've found that biking is safer than driving a car after the snow. <laughs> um, so how logistically does that work with 150 plus volunteers um, and lots of different you know, places that you're picking up from and taking to? Do people bring their own bikes and trailers or do you provide any of that? How does that work? So at every grocery store, we have a bike and trailer combination, um, sometimes two, mm-hmm. uh, depending on the size of the pickup, <laughs> how many volunteers we need on it. Um, and we lock up those bikes and trailers at the grocery store or somewhere nearby. Um, and that way, a volunteer can go, use the bike and trailer, do the drop, and bring it back, lock it up, and then someone else can use it the next day. So we don't um, ha- they don't even have to go to a, an extra stop. It's pretty much right at the grocery store. Um, and so that enables, yeah. Uh, more people to get involved um and then we have a schedule mm-hmm. that we have on uh, uh software that one of our co-founders created for us and so um we can put in the donor um we've arranged the time with the donor um and it's usually every day of the week oftentimes in the morning sometimes morning and afternoons um and then we have the recipients and we've arranged, you know, when works for them. Mm-hmm. And then it's, yeah, it's a big logistical game of like, how big is the pickup, um, types of food, um, how far away are things, mm-hmm. um, day of the week that foods are desired. Um, yeah, is the recipient open on certain days of the week? Mm-hmm. Um, how big are the hills in between? Um, it's like all sorts of things that kind of play into that like decision of yeah. um, how much food can recipients take. And so, um, yeah, it used to, before we had the software, we would just kind of figure it all out on whiteboards and, mm-hmm. you know, would take hours of brainstorming and moving things around. Um, and then we create, we still have to do that over and over again because things change. So, yeah. you know, uh, maybe a grocery program no longer Saturdays work. So we have kind of have to switch things up, mm-hmm. but, um, it's a, it takes the work of, we have staff members who kind of run that whole program and it takes every bit of their time to do that kind of yeah. work. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, can we talk about a little bit, you know, we talked about volunteers and staff mm-hmm. members and stuff like that, um, about how Boulder Food Rescue is a nonprofit and like why you decided to found it as a nonprofit and what that means. Yeah. Well, um, to be a nonprofit, I mean, we filed for 501c3 status right away because, um, actually in order to receive food donations, um, 
we kind of had to be a nonprofit, and here's mm. why. Um, <laughs> it's maybe actually simpler uh, <laughs> than I you could think, but um, grocery stores are not held liable. Actually, yeah, anybody who wants to donate food is not held liable um, because of the Bill Emerson Good Samaritan Act, uh, okay. which um, protects people if they want to donate food, except in cases of gross negligence. So you can't like donate obviously rotten mm. meat or something, mm-hmm. and then expect someone to not get sick. But um, it's actually never even been tested in the court of law. Oh, wow. These people haven't sued uh, um, against it. But, um, yeah, they're not held liable if they donate to a nonprofit organization. And so okay. part of us just, like, actually receiving food instead of them throwing away when we're asking them to donate to us, they say, well, you have to be a nonprofit. Um, the other kind of benefit to them is that they get tax credit. So cool. um, if they donate, then they can get money back, yeah. um, which is really helpful. For um, sure. So that was a big part of it. That makes sense yeah. to me, for sure. Um, so something else on your website talks about um, that people can donate their garden produce, um, which I think is a really great idea. Can you talk a little bit more about how that works? Yeah, so we launched this program last year in 2018, um, but it actually started in Denver with Denver Food Rescue, and then it kind of got transported over to Colorado Springs with Colorado Springs Food Rescue, but it's called the Fresh Food Connect Program. Um, and it is a web application that allows home gardeners to go online and say, hey, I have excess produce, um, and they can log in and put what they have, um, and it tells people um, what they need to do with it, like they need to clean it and bag it and put it out. Um, and then we as uh, Fresh Food Connect operators under Boulder Food Rescue, we basically select which zip codes we want to pick up from on what days, mm. um, and so that helps us, like, not have to bike or to every single house and you know, all around Boulder um, on the same day, but we do cover every zip code. Um, but we do different zip codes on different days, so maybe Mondays we'll be out in eight oh three oh one. Yeah. yeah um, Fridays are eight oh three oh four. It's all, it's all like that, and so we can go door to door and pick that food up, and then we take those to no cost grocery programs and also early childhood education centers. That's awesome. I think that anyone that has had a home garden that has especially grown zucchini knows <laughs> towards exactly. the end of the summer you're like, just take it. I don't want it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We get a lot of kale and zucchini for sure. Um, <laughs> Over producers. <laughs> yeah, um, and also we, you know are now in the time where um, we're trying to also encourage people to grow, you know, varieties of food for, you know, donations. Yeah, that'd so be great. So try out some new things too and um, and then donate what's excess. Um, but, yeah, it's a really cool way that people um, can participate uh, besides packing food around, right? Like yeah. Like growing food and donating it is a really cool way to be for involved sure. in Boulder Food Rescue. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. I, I really... I really appreciate that, and we'll probably take advantage of it this summer. Absolutely. <laughs> I was saw on your website something uh, talking about the Forward Food Summit. Um, can you talk a little bit about what that is? Sure. So the Forward Food Summit was started um, in 2013, I believe, as a way to um, get any engaged stakeholders together and talk about food justice. And mm-hmm. so... Um, what it is is a conference, essentially it's a summit that is focused on the social justice side of food systems. Uh, oftentimes we, you know, talk about food systems and we talk about growing food, um, food waste, and we, um, don't necessarily center the justice aspect of the conversation around the conversation. So like what we mean by that is like 
who has access to food and who doesn't and why. Um, and so we focus on specific demographics and specific identities that people hold that are prohibiting them from having the same access to food. So we all talk about food systems and race or food systems and economic justice, mm. um, traditional storytelling and land access. Um, last year we talked about food and gentrification, mm. um, which is fascinating conversations. And we try to bring in people who are experts on these subjects because of their studies, but also because of their lived experiences. Mm. Um, and have big conversations around some of the stuff that people don't want to talk about. Um, and so we've been doing that every year for the last four years, and it's become a um, front-range-wide conversation. So cool. all the way from Colorado Springs to Longmont, because there are food rescues in Longmont, Boulder, Denver, and Colorado Springs now, and we've had those conversations um, in Denver as kind of like the center point of all mm-hmm. of that. Yeah. Um, it, it's interesting to me because, you know, Boulder is kind of known as a very affluent place. Mm -hmm. I mean, the median family home is, what, over a million dollars now, right? So you don't necessarily think of people not having access to Mm -hmm. fresh food in places Mm -hmm. like this, but, I mean, it's it definitely is happening. Yeah, I think something that we often have to talk about is that, is, is exactly that, that people are like, oh, food insecurity doesn't happen in Boulder. And it's like, nope, there are people who are living below the poverty line who are working, you know, minimum wage jobs. And especially in Boulder, where the cost of living is high, um, you know, like, I think it, it it's just often overlooked that, you know, somebody is working all of those minimum wage jobs. Right. Um, and, um, and a lot of people are struggling um, to live here because the cost of living is so high and the cost of food is high as well. And so what's interesting about Boulder is that um, the statistics are the same as everywhere else in the country. Um, oh. One in eight people um, have a hard time accessing food. Um, and, and what the word food insecurity is the word that is used and not a lot of people know what that means. So it's like, um, it means like you don't, you either don't know where your next meal is going to come from you're making big sacrifices in your life in order to get food. So maybe you are getting food, but you're not paying your phone bill or you're pushing off medical bills, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Or you don't have access to healthy or culturally appropriate foods, the desired Mm -hmm. foods that you need Mm -hmm. um, in order to sustain yourself. And so people get caught in cycles of poverty because um, access to healthy food is access to health, which means that they can, you know, um, not struggle with um, a lot of diet-related diseases Mm -hmm. later down the line. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it... It's all connected, but yeah, Boulder is the same. One in eight people struggle with food insecurity, and like that affects children even more. It's one in five children because it often affects low-income families, yeah. and it's usually working families that mm-hmm. are just trying to pay high rent. Right. Yeah. Here, yeah, because so. the rent is very high. Um, yeah. And I would a. Do you think that there are any food deserts here? Because that's something that people talk a lot about too, um, and I know that recently the. Um, uh, what the, not the 99 cent store, but the grocery store where Lucky's has now gone. So like the mm-hmm. cheaper grocery store kind of yeah. went away and a really expensive grocery store came in its place. Um, I mean, not really expensive, but way more expensive. Yeah. Like I was just thinking about all of those people that relied on that and now mm-hmm. they don't have that as a resource. Yeah. Do you mean the South Boulder Lucky's right. that came in? Yes. Yeah, yeah, totally. Okay. So um, there is a new dollar store here, which I was like, yes, oh, all right, <laughs> they opened up again. 
<laughs> but um, but yeah, I um, I I think this question is really interesting because in the technically, you know, by the definition of a food desert, you know, we're saying within a city, it means you are a mile away from access to healthy food, mm-hmm. and in rural areas, it's it's more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's this geographic measure of mm-hmm. how far away you are from a fully stocked grocery store. Um, so in the city of Boulder, we don't have any of those like geographic uh, measures of mm-hmm. being away from a fully stocked grocery store. Um, there are like 13 or 14 grocery stores know, here in so Boulder. Many. It's a lot, <laughs> uh, which is great. And I feel like I'm so glad that that's true. And like exactly to your point, like that's exactly it, is that not all of those grocery stores right are affordable i know um and then what i also try to express is even though that there's not um this physical distance from a store there are all these other barriers to accessing food um like transportation is still an issue Mm -hmm. so like people try to use the buses to access food but then you know you're carrying you can only carry two bags so you Mm -hmm. have to get a smaller amount so you have to go more often oftentimes Mm -hmm. Um, you're subject to a bus schedule um, that may or may not fit your schedule, and buses um, that may or may not be on time. Which buses I can speak that to. may or may not be on time, especially in the snow. Yes. Um, and yeah, like also, people struggle with like being able to carry all of that and sit down. Like we work with a lot of seniors too, who like mm-hmm. might not have the physical ability to really navigate the systems on their own. Um, I've talked to people who've been injured <laughs> trying to ride the buses to access food, so that's a big barrier. Mm-hmm. Um, along with exactly what you're talking about, like economic security and not being able to afford it. Um, a lot of folks do get signed up for SNAP, um, which mm-hmm. is uh, the um, food stamps, essentially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of SNAP benefits run out at the end of the month. Yeah. Um, and so it can be really, it can be a big struggle for folks. Yeah. Still. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's nice that you're here to fill in the gaps. <laughs> yeah. And that's what or at least that's, try to. That's exactly what we're hoping to do. And, and it is, you know, we're bringing produce because it's healthier. It's um, more desired mm. because people want to eat healthy and can't afford it, and mm. um, and so it's supplementary for sure. And um, all of these other programs are still really important. Like mm-hmm. SNAP is really important for sure um, because it gives people choice and it is able to provide um, an extensive amount more than any emergency food relief systems yeah. are able to provide. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, sure. it's, it's, it's one really big net that's needed. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, and it, it's again, interesting to me that the statistics in Boulder are the same as everywhere else. So like geographically, you know, there might not be the same challenges, but the families are still struggling in the same ways. Um, totally. and you know, something that's interesting to me from my perspective is, you know, helping people do things in their community. Um, and I saw on your website that you have, you know, a little link to like contact you for help or like a little PDF download. Can you talk a little bit about that? About um, where to get resources? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if someone wanted to, like if they were in their community, they were like, I really, like this inspires me. I really want to go out and do this in my community. Oh, um, um, to start their own food Yeah, restaurant. yeah. Yeah. Um, we have a... We have a lot there, actually. So if anybody wants to start a food rescue in their own community, um, we started by we started by sending out what we call the package deal. So this is just document that we created after we started Boulder Food Rescue. That was like, here's how we got this thing off mm. the ground. So mm. basically, from like idea to like proof of concept, this thing works. Um, and um, 
it walks people through how to fundraise, how to talk to donors, what kind of equipment you need, how to gather community members, how to do research in your community, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is just downloadable off the website. Um, different communities are different. So, you know, Boulder being bicycle-based, Denver is also a bicycle-based food rescue, but other, you know, Colorado Springs is a lot more sprawled out. So mm-hmm. their, the amount that they bike is, you know, smaller. Yeah. Um, so there are, there are differences like that. There are differences in needs of communities and grocery stores and distance and how volunteers want to engage. So so we're really aware of that. And so I think that's, you know, after kind of getting the, the download of the package deal, it's kind of like navigating what really works for our community. And so we've created this whole network of support, essentially called the Food Rescue Alliance. And it is food rescue organizations that um, are part of a peer learning network. We teach each other things. Um, we resource each other by sharing documents, by answering questions, um, by sharing information about what's going on in food systems worlds. Um, we do bi-monthly workshops on things that members have requested. So if somebody wants to learn about volunteer engagement or if they want to learn about alternative revenue streams, mm-hmm. you know, all sorts of things that happen from uh, nonprofit operations to how to do work on the ground. Uh, we try to do workshops around that. And um, yeah, we're now 18 different food rescue organizations wow, across the country that have kind of a unified voice around how to do community-based, uh, equity-based food justice. Cool. Um, and what what exactly does the term food justice mean, I guess? I want to make sure that people understand. <laughs> so when we talk about justice, yeah, we talk about a more, a more just food system, which takes into account um, disparities across different communities. Um, so what we mean is that, um, you know, it's not, so I guess the best way to describe it is that equality is like we all get the equal amount of, um, we all get equal amount of mm-hmm. whatever. But if we're starting from different places, you know, then we actually need different things. So what equity? So then equity is next, and equity would say that um, uh, depending on what our needs are, like we should get different things to kind of get us to the same place. Mm-hmm. Um, and what justice means is like we remove all of those barriers that have us in all these different places in the first place. So it's like, how do we actually? Um, take this idea of uh, unequal access to food and work up the ladder to the root cause of that. Mm. Um, And that's big, right? That's bigger than distributing food on the ground. Um, Distributing food on the ground is a way to build relationships with people in order to build trust, in order to build movement, in order to kind of start making our way towards what we see as justice. But for us, it means like, how do we actually address why people are food insecure in the first Mm -hmm. place? Um, Which often is the answer to that is economic insecurity mm-hmm. um it is unequal um pay yeah. depending on what your race is your sex is your gender is um what it is like it is um the fact that uh, people don't make a living wage that mm-hmm. the minimum wage um in boulder is 10 25 and the living wage for an individual is something like $14 an hour and mm-hmm. if it's an individual with a kid it's something like $27 yeah. an hour to live here right and right. so if people are making $10 an hour like how can you make they it? can't do yeah. it so it's like how do we advocate for people to make a living wage so that mm-hmm. they don't have to use systems in the first place yeah um, that they don't have to receive food support or have to use snap because they can actually just like afford to to have that choice on their own and so um yeah it's certainly like uh, a trajectory that mm-hmm. we want to go down the line when we're more resourced, but we're doing the movement work that it takes on the ground to, to kind of start that yeah, process. Yeah, and to get people what they need right now. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of this process of looking upstream 
and uh, realizing that we all have a stake in this too because um, our, we believe that our liberation is bound with one another, right? So that mm -hmm. we all um, we all will have a, have a stake in changing these systems and that we can use each other and support each other in doing that. Yeah, for sure. I think yeah. that's really cool that you're looking to do that long term too. Yeah. Um, and with like different income streams, I saw that Boulder Food Rescue has a participant-driven cookbook. Yeah. <laughs> Are these recipes that they submitted um, to like the from coming up with stuff to use the produce in, or what was it? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. So um, one of our big focuses is participation. Like, how can people participate in these systems? So that's what the no-cost grocery program is about. Um, but what that does is it, it breaks down some of these like kind of like traditional charity models where it's like I have resources and I'm here to serve you without resources right it's like we take that model and throw it out the window and we say like okay we all have we all have assets mm -hmm. um what do you you know how do how do we all do this together and and what that means is like people want to give back to the organizations that they utilize services from people yeah. want to have a say in how they run um so we're constantly trying to figure out ways in which people want to participate and that it's accessible to participate um but one thing that happened was people were like look i get the same generally same types of food all the time and so do my neighbors and there's and they know there's all these other no-cost grocery programs happening around um, the city and there's they're like, I make this recipe all the time. I want to share it. And so it's participant-driven because all the people that used the grocery programs were the ones who came up with the idea. Um, all we did was just kind of like, I say all we did. It was, it was some more. <laughs> I didn't do it either. Our participant coordinator did a ton of work, and our grants manager is actually uh, used to be a chef, so she oh, wow. tested all of the recipes. Oh, so, so a cool. lot of work went into it, but... We collected recipes from participants of grocery programs across the city um, of um, recipes that they make utilizing Boulder Food Rescue Food. So it's yeah. a ton of different things for utilizing the fruits and vegetables that they often get. And uh, yeah, we put all of that together and it got translated into English to Spanish and Spanish to English so that it's accessible <laughs> for both languages and um yeah, it's available for anybody to use now. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I made an amazing tomatillo salsa the other day. <laughs> I saw so, that on Instagram. I was like, I really need to go this Yes, product. it was so good. <laughs> and what a great way, too, for, like, people that are like, I get the same produce. Like, while they're still grateful, they're, you know, like, I can imagine, like, getting the same thing all the time and kind of running out of ideas, right? And sharing so, it. Yeah, what a great people. idea for, yeah, me to say to you, like, well, this is what I do. And you're like, whoa, I never thought of that. Or, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that another, you know, like, there's another... Stigma or some, some perception, I guess, that happens. Um, so, you know, the perception of Boulder being like nobody's food insecure here. There's this other perception that uh, people don't know how to cook. Um, and <laughs> I like I hear it all the time. Like, and and I think our, our recipe book is proof that that is not yeah. true. Like, people absolutely know how to cook. Yeah. I mean, it's not, or like people don't want fruits and vegetables. That's like another misconception. It's like, no, people do want fruits and vegetables. Yeah. It's more about like, do I have the time and money to do this stuff? Right. And so um, I think it, it's really cool to have this physical thing to be like, see, like, yeah. you know, like this is, uh, again, not us coming in to teach people. It's, it's everyone together teaching each other. Like, yeah, you know. them teaching you how to make a tomatillo sauce. Like, <laughs> yeah, usually. absolutely. Yeah, I think that's really cool. So for you personally, what kind of inspired you to do, to, to found this? So I got excited about Boulder Food Rescue um, 
well, I guess before Boulder Food Rescue existed, I got excited about uh, food waste in general um, through kind of like this environmental lens. Um, I was learning about food systems out of just like kind of this strange interest. Um, I think because I, you know, it's like this really tangible thing. Like we eat food every day, right? Like it's, um, we're all connected to our food system. And so I you know, really started learning about, like, well, how, uh, how is food produced? (laughs) How many resources go into producing food? Um, I don't, you know, I don't know. Food just hooked me because I knew from a really young age that I, I've, like, always kind of had this fire, (laughs) right? Like, I've always just been, um, someone who, uh, cares about, like, just, like, this, like, ruthless care for, like, humanity and for animals and for the environment I just like care so much and so and I didn't have you know growing up I didn't really have a language around that or even an understanding and in, in terms of like how to enact that um mm-hmm. and so I think what excited me about food was that a it touched all those things right yeah. <laughs> it touches people it touches animals and the environment and also like it's so tangible and so um that sparked my interest and so when I started learning about food waste that's it really yeah. got me I yeah. was like, wait, we put, we, put, we put all these resources into growing our food. We ship it all the way around the country. <laughs> and then we just throw it away. Like, this is absurd. Um, this <laughs> it's is like so good. Creating greenhouse gases or whatever, yeah. And so it really came out of a care um, for food. And, yeah, learning about, um, you know, who has access to that and who doesn't. Um, really, it just drives me. And so, yeah, yeah and I'm really driven by... Um, by these ideas of justice and by these ideas of like how do we create equity in our community um, and the people that um, yeah I meet along the way it's like the relationships that we build this like keeps fueling me so yeah um, yeah Yeah, you get back what you give too I guess you know Um, so like everybody's helping each other out right you know in different ways yeah Absolutely. I mean, volunteering for Boulder Food Rescue, so when we started this thing, I used, I used to do so many shifts because it was just like, yeah, it's it's rewarding to be able to redistribute this food and bike it, bike it and like have the physical like relief of, of distributing that, but also meeting people. Like, yeah. I get so much out of it, and now it's like, I this awesome staff team that like cracks me up every day you know <laughs> like um we have a lot of fun too like yeah. yeah we're like all about the work but like healing and laughter is so much a part of like how we do our work and yeah. so um I'm like continually being challenged and growing and learning and laughing so I love it that's awesome yeah well and just in closing um what are what's a little bit of advice that you would give to anyone that's interested in learning more about food justice or starting their own food rescue, you know, anything, any little bit of advice, I guess. Um, yeah, if people, you know, want to start their own food rescue, like contact us for sure. (laughs) We'll support you there. Um, I think my biggest piece of advice would be, um, yeah, figure out what you get excited about, um, and do that thing. Um, build community around it. That would be a big one for me. Um, I, often am the person talking about Boulder Food Rescue and people know I'm one of the co-founders and so like um 
my name is very associated with Boulder Food Rescue and also like this project is so, 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 so much bigger than me, right? Yeah. And like none of this would have happened if it wasn't for other people. Yeah. Um, and so like, yeah, it was, I mean, really it wasn't even my idea. Uh, like, <laughs> 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 I get thrown in. Um, but yeah, like I think building community around it has been the reason why it's grown so big is because everybody has different skills and ideas and assets to contribute and so really opening it up to be beyond like just one person's brain is why it's been so successful so um I think it's funny because I um (laughs) I'm about to give advice that is probably one of my biggest struggles I I used to be so shy I could barely talk um and uh I, and I've gone through waves of that, um, and now I've kind of put myself anywhere on the shy spectrum from, like, almost mute to, like, give me a mic and I'll be the diva, right? (laughs) Like, um, I I go all over the place, but I think what's, uh, kind of interesting for me is, like, the root of all of this is just, like, opening our mouths, you know, and be like, hey, I have this, I care about this thing, or I have this struggle, um what do you think? And someone else is like, yeah, I have this struggle too. Mm. Um, or I care about this thing too. Um, and it's like, as soon as we like, uh, name what is hard, uh, we build community around that. And from there, like we can start to like, actually take action around it. You yeah. know, it's so, like that to me is like the root of organizing is the root of connection is the root of, uh, yeah. Yeah. Like figuring out how to, how to make movements. So I would say that's probably, the way I just boiled it down to is like, yeah, let's just start talking to each other. <laughs> I think that's a perfect place to start. <laughs> it's like All right, idea. Yeah, yeah, I think it's great. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. I really appreciate it. And I'll leave everything on the website, all the information to contact you. And um, if people want to donate any of that, um, I'll have the, all of that in the blog post on the blog. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Modern Domestique podcast, and a big thanks to Hayden for today's conversation. To learn more about Boulder Food Rescue, head over to the Modern Domestique website to check out the blog post that goes along with this podcast episode. I've also put all the links to the blog post and to Boulder Food Rescue directly into the show notes. If you're interested in learning more about the hows and whys of food waste, make sure to follow Boulder Food Rescue on Instagram, where they're posting videos explaining why it happens and what we can do about it. Up next in Season 3 is an interview with Mona, who's also known as The Grain Lady. (laughs) So make sure to subscribe in your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a thing. And if you like this podcast, please take the time to tell a friend or leave a rating or a review in the podcast app of your choice so that other people can find this podcast too. It really does make a difference to help other find this podcast. And as always, I'd love to hear about your takeaways from today's episode, so please make sure to stay in touch on the website, Facebook, or Instagram. Thanks again for tuning in and have a very modern domestic day.